So I, I'm just gonna play the song, and then maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll discuss afterward. So do you need some? Do you need some light in there? Or no. Good? Okay. No, I thrive in darkness. <laughs> 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 I like that. Oh, that's me. That's how we all get here. We're in the dark <laughs> for for nine months or so, right? <laughs> getting formed and whatnot. phase of basically utter, uh, I don't want to say irresponsibility, but um, I will say like lack of accountability. You know, the, the upside of not having very much family interaction or family support is that you also don't get any family pressure. Nobody cared what I was doing effectively. No one was really asking. And, uh, you know, they had, like I said, pros and cons. So coming into this motherhood deal and having all of a sudden a world of responsibility, multiple worlds of responsibility simultaneously that I wanted to be able to show up for well and being somewhat remedial in a lot of these basic, you know, tasks that, that people who settle down earlier in life or people who have ever really felt settled um, develop usually pretty early on. <laughs> and often by the time they're in their 30s have largely perfected, you know, 
needing to be good at these things, homemaking, waking up at yeah. a regular time, yeah. uh, getting Get my good child at up. somewhere, <laughs> yes, you know, at a time it's expected, and yeah. being presentable, uh, that, you know, just these different things in the, in the more conventional ways. Um, and I had to, I had to look the part. I was worried that if I didn't assimilate enough quickly enough, I might lose my family, lose my son. You know, that's not that's not a foreign experience to me. My, you know, my family was broken up because my mom was not seen as um, you know she was seen as neglectful, and so I I had to uh, you had to correct that history. Yeah, I had to get some some supports. I had to find some supports and I had to submit to some really challenging authority, you know, some really challenging kind of structure. But uh, it was helpful. It sucked. It was like, it was like boot camp for moms. That's what I Jesus. It. This was something specifically for women who had experienced uh, domestic violence, women who had experienced uh, survivors of sexual assault. They also put under domestic violence. That was part of how I qualified. And also chronic homelessness. And so for me, because I had been a traveler for so many years, or a traveler, yeah. for many people, translates to chronic homelessness. Yeah. So I was able to kind of parlay that experience into something that could um, help me to qualify for, for support. That's what I did. And it was humbling as fuck, but uh, I think it was good. It was the first time I had really in-depth therapy in my life, and I needed it. So it was there was a, you had a social worker, but you also had a therapist? Yes. Oh, okay. A wonderful, wonderful, wonderful therapist who was in the process of, he was in the final stages of uh, completing his doctorate. Wow. And uh, so he wasn't burnt out on having heard a million people's yeah. boring ass details yeah. of life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, re I felt like he really brought the best of himself to our sessions. And uh, what was his name? <laughs> I called him. Uh, I called him Doctor J. <laughs> because uh, uh, because I, I kind of wanted to affirm his his doctoral journey. <laughs> Before it was Dr. Dr. J, and and I thought it was funny because he was a white guy, kind of mid height, not resembling like, the basketball Dr. J at all. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and our first few sessions, I just asked him to play Uno with me. <laughs> Through a lot, can we just fucking relax? <laughs> like, that's what I actually need to do. Like yeah. I'm a full time. You know, single mom on welfare, yeah. like just I'm processing all the time. Crazy right now. traumatized, right? I need to process about 30 years of trauma. Yeah. Can we play Uno? Yeah. Right now, all I want to know is if I can play the Red Four. I just want to feel like <laughs> everything's okay for maybe an hour a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was into it, and eventually I put down the Uno cards and you know, opened up more. Mm. Did you go pretty deep? Yeah. I mean, I realized huge things, like that I had a foster mother whose death I really never grieved mm. because I just didn't have time. Mm. <laughs> like, this foster family was about to adopt myself, my brother, and my sister, a white family. 
and had you been living with them? That yeah, time? I had been yeah. living with them. We'd been living with them for some years, from about fifth grade until eighth grade, and they were at the point where they wanted to adopt us, and then. Our foster mom at that time had diabetes, and she decided to go into a diabetic coma and die. I'm sure she would say from beyond the grave, that wasn't really my decision. <laughs> Not my choice. No, I know, I know. I, I shouldn't be facetious, but, um, or even try to be, but, yeah, she, she passed, and it was horrible, because they had already told us they were going to adopt us, and we thought that our kind of journey through foster care was over, and everything was going to be fine, and then right at that moment, everything was completely unfine. And I remember my foster father, with tears in his eyes. White guy, he looked kind of like Ernest P. Worrell. Mm. Just crying and telling us how he couldn't keep us. But, you know, that made me the mom again, basically, for my siblings. And we had to find a new home. Like, they, you know, like social services was immediately trying to find us a family that would be able to adopt us. And so I had to go back into you know, survival mode and mom mode, and I didn't have time to really just be sad about losing, you know, the mom that I knew for those years. Mary Barden, may she rest in peace. <laughs> Such an amazing person. Hmm. Check, check. Loving down in your bones Hey mama, hey mama, hey mama, mama, hey Hey, hey mama, hey mama, hey mama, it's okay Hey, hey mama, hey mama, hey mama, mama, hey feel good mm -hmm. yeah 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 
<laughs> Isn't it nice when you know, like, man, I stuck the landing. I fucking. <laughs> yeah. You're like, good enough. Yeah. yeah it's all right. Like, yeah. You know, who knows the performances that could come. You know, that's the one thing you always think, man, I could do something. What else could I do? Mm. Heard, I've heard one author say, I've never finished a book. <laughs> I just love that it's not it, it you 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 steered it away from becoming too cerebral. You went right for the went right for the heart of the thing. Well, thank you. I mean, I also hit a little bit, admittedly. Like I didn't I didn't make it very personal. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm I'm doing the hey mama, hey you mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. I'm like saying hey like far away person. Y- yeah. You know, not but it is so much about my own experience for sure. Yeah, I love the alligator shoes walking out the door. Uh-huh. Oh. That was a nod to my dad. Really? Actually, yeah, because he came up, he was born in the 20s. Wow. So, you know, he was like one of those old school, you know, kind of... Alligator shoes. Hustler slash sage types. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure he must have worn a couple of alligator, <laughs> alligator shoes in his time. <laughs> At least, at least a couple. <laughs> So yeah. <laughs> so that one was for my mom. That first verse was for my mom, and that's why I brought up yeah. my dad and just thinking about me and her belly and him rolling out. Yeah. And kind of trying to go back to sing to her. And then the second verse, um, my foster mom, Mary, because I said keep rolling with it, Mary. Mm. Um, and that was partly because she was in a wheelchair. Mm. That's why I say rolling with Oh, Mary. I love that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, you know, rolling proud as you proud, can be. Proud Mary. Yeah, yeah, yeah proud yeah. Mary. Yeah, keep rolling with the Roll, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Proud as you can rolling, be. Because yeah. you're the matriarchal pillar of the family. And it just reminded me, one of the things I liked about her the most is that she was just kind of a rock in terms of temperament. You know, not, not in the like shut out cold way, but just in the very consistent Um emotionally very even keel and there was a kind of security that came from that it wasn't generally wondering you know what I was going to get from Mary in terms of emotions from day to day which is very different from my experience my biological mom always used to get a little nervous coming home from school because I didn't know you know if mom's happy I'm going to be happy if mom's sad I'm going to be sad like whatever mom's feeling I'm going to be feeling with Mary it was just Mm -hmm. like Mary's Mary. She's mm-hmm. been married. She was married yesterday. She'll be married tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And it just gave me room to feel my own feelings. And mm-hmm. so it reminded me I want to bring more of that to my, my parenting, just that steadiness, Steady. that evenness of temper, you know. And then the last one was for me. And that was about um, part of that lyric is uh, this earth is going to keep you, going to hold you when your man is gone. Right. Um, until you feel the mother loving down in your bones, you know, and that's uh, that's about feeling nauseous when I was pregnant without a partner and being able to lay down on the earth and get that comfort that I needed from the grass and the dirt to feel better, to feel more steady, to feel held, to feel like I had a companion, you know, that, that the earth could be my birth partner. So that was something I wanted to share in terms of just wisdom for women that might experience that to be like, hey, you won't, you will not be alone as long as you're on the earth. You will have somebody with you 
dig into my pain. Dig, dig, dig. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Big emotions have that emotional recall where you all of a sudden you regress and you're, you know, you're like three years old, four years old, and it's just like, ah! you know? mm. um, it's a tantrum, right? Mm. And you're, your 20-year-old self, your 30-year-old self, your 40-year-old self doesn't know that all this life has happened since that early trauma on that early like I'm awake and alone and scared where's 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 mom where's any sense of comfort right now this is this is scary I don't feel safe but tell me tell me your deep pain <laughs> My deep pain? The tape is full, I guess. Uh, I'll tell you off record. <laughs> oh no. Just a piece. You don't have to right now. I know. But you're welcome to. Thank you. you. But if you don't like to have the connective tissue there, I don't want to encourage you to. I don't think there's a right or wrong way with this stuff. I think that at different points in time, different ways, different ways forward makes sense. Yeah. You know? I think the big, the big one, the big one that was recurrent for me, um, was feeling like an alien with my friends and classmates and even my own family. Like, I felt <clears throat> stigmatized pretty early on by my parents' concern for my, I guess, general well-being. They were worried. They got worried early at eight that I was not, that they, I mean, I think they were getting, like, troubling reports from my school that... I didn't seem to be paying attention. I didn't seem to be understanding the lesson. Oh, I seem space out. Well, Paul's like spends the whole time drawing, <laughs> or mm. or Paul is very disruptive. I got kicked out of class. Sent to the principal's office for <sighs> conducting some social experiment. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, lo I mean, I, I loved that, you know. I, I, I loved sort of here are, the here are the boundaries of what's acceptable and doing something unacceptable to call attention to how ridiculous all of this is. All of the social norms and programming that, that we force feed so early on in a child's life <laughs> when they should be playing kids should be playing they should be having a great time we should all be having a great time actually mm -hmm. 
we're just like early on we get tortured and scared and like taught to suffer <laughs> yeah. well you're four now <laughs> let's take you down to, let's take you down to the penitentiary <laughs> time you learn it's time you learn that you can't do what you want ever <laughs> um yeah, I, I think I think even at eight, I was just like, "How do I blow this up?" Mm-hmm. And um, I was diagnosed uh, with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, and I was put on drugs. I was put put on amphetamines mm-hmm. early, eight, right? Mm-hmm. My son is turning seven in ten days. I'm trying to like line that up with my memory of that time. I'm just like, wow, okay. Mm. Good. Well, he's not on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have him on amphetamines yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say yet, jokingly. I, I think that the, with the, there is some perversity. There's some social perversity to that. And who knows like what got wired in my synaptic chain at that early age, that early developmental age. For how long did that last? Years. From when I was eight until I was 14. Midway through it, I was held back. I was held back in sixth grade. I had to repeat a grade and change schools. And I was told this is this is for the best because you know you want to be in your age group. You're uh, you're younger than everybody, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that's not the messaging that I was receiving with all of this. I was I was receiving like a six-year steady message that I was not. I, I was just not up. Uh, I was not meeting par. <laughs> I was less than my peers. I was um, wasn't smart enough. I was inferior. German kitten, German kitten, cat lice, cat lice, not so nice. Cat lice, wash it twice. She says she'll never love again Had the good hit 
Composition Notebook is a production of Racecar Radio, www.racecarradio.com.